Today you'll hear from a cluffy legend who has some brilliant memories of working with the Miracle Manager. So he says, well, uh, if you think you're going to get the money that you're getting here, then you can think again. He said, but I'm not leaving here until you sign. So, I mean, that's an offer you can't resist, isn't it? Welcome to the Green Jumper podcast. I'm Marcus Alton, the editor of brianclough.com. And my guest today is a former Cluffy defender held in high esteem by the great man himself. It's a, a warm welcome to Paul Hart. Thanks very much for joining us today, Paul. It's a pleasure, Marcus. Looking forward to talking about the genius. Of course. And the genius, as you say, actually went up to Leeds, Ellen Road, to sign you originally. What was that like? Well, uh, it's quite uh, funny going on, really, because um, what happened was it was the last game of the season and um, Alan Hill was sent to Ellen Road to watch us play Rotherham. And they had a young centre-half. I can't uh, quite remember his name. And... um, uh, I think Alan reported back, you know, he, he said, if we're going into, we were, we qualified for Europe. Uh, and said, you know, if we're going into Europe, we need some experience and we should try and get Paul Hart, see if he's available. So he said, oh, cracky, yeah. Uh, this I, I get this story from Alan. <laughs> so you have to, obviously I wasn't there, but he, um, I got a phone call from Eddie Gray on the Monday. So we're only, the season had only finished two days uh, saying, uh, there's a first division club in for you. Uh, would you like to talk to them? So I said, well, who is it? So he said, well, it's Nottingham Forest. And Brian Clough is going to come up to Ellen Road this evening. There was a reserve game at Ellen Road to finish completely. And he'll meet you at Ellen Road. So uh, I said, all right, OK. And then I went off the phone and I was jumping up and down. And, uh <laughs> Absolutely delighted. So, so I went up to uh, Ellen Road that evening, and uh, I knocked on our manager's door. I was told that uh, uh, he was in there. Yeah. And um, so I went in, and I said, uh, "Oh, good evening, Mister Clough." And he said, "Don't call me Mister Clough. Call me Brian." And I thought, I think that's a trap, and uh, and I never have ever referred to him. As anything other than, than the boss or the gaffer or whatever. And um, so he says, well, uh, if you think you're going to get the money that you're getting here, then you can think again. He said, but I'm not leaving here until you sign. So, I mean, that's an offer you can't resist, isn't it? Definitely. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, I, I took a drop in wages, uh, but I had, I only played there two, uh, Nottingham Forest for two years, but uh, the environment, my colleagues, uh, I just had uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It was brilliant. He was a centre-forward as a player. So as a, a centre-half yourself, how did he coach you? Did did he coach you? Well, he was a coach, but not in the, in the accepted sense uh, of how we view a coach these days, probably. You know, he was, uh, he spoke to people. And he gave them their parameters, you know. So I knew that if I didn't head it and defend the goal, I wouldn't be playing. But if I gave anything above that, the bonus, he was delighted. And a pat on the back from him, you know, you could, um, you didn't get him very often, but 
they were worth waiting for. Tell, I'll tell you that. Yeah, because John Robertson talks about he, he just wanted that little sign, that little OK <coughs> Uh, from yeah. Brian Clough on the touchline, yeah. and it made him ten feet tall. Uh, did you feel that? I mean, you're you're a big man anyway, but did you feel you could take on anyone when when he was behind you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember one situation where we were playing West Ham at home, and the previous week we'd been playing Watford away, and I got my nose broken, uh, and so you know what happens then? Your eyes go black and all that. So. I played against West Ham, so I've still got the black eyes and my nose is over one way. And uh, I think Steve Hodge got two or something. We were winning 2-0, coming up to half-time. And I, I'd been up for a corner and it, on the second phase, I, I was at the far post. And I was up and above, I just can't think of his name now, but he's quite famous. And he, he, would, he did exactly what I would have done. He was struggling and I was, I'm thinking, I'm scoring here. And I was above him and he threw his head back. So... It smashed my nose again and broke my cheekbone. So I went to hospital, all that sort of stuff, had it all reset and everything. And about nine days later, this is coming up to Christmas, so um, I think we just played Celtic in the first or the second leg or whatever, beaten Celtic. And uh, come up to Christmas, so we had Liverpool on one day and then the, the next day, the very next day or the day afterwards, we had Luton away. And so we were in the hotel uh, having pre-match and I got a message to go down to see the, to see the boss. And he says, what do you think about playing today? And this was this was nine days after I'd, I'd broken my cheekbone. Yeah. So I said, well, I said, do you want me to play? He said, well, I, I, I do really. So, uh, and it wasn't that much of a risk in terms of there was Dalgleish and Rush playing so it wasn't like but I knew the next day at Luton there was I don't know Mick Harford and countless other giants playing yeah so I had to get I had to uh, but I played and I played I just carried on playing from there you know they um, but he said after the Luton game I I know it's a bit of a long story but after the Luton game we were on the bus and he came down the bus and, and like we're sitting four tables and all that and We'd started playing a game of cards, our group, and uh, he came down and said, centre half, centre half, absolutely brilliant today. None of these buggers would have done that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the lads give you a stick, you know, yeah. you get some uh, pelters, but it was, it was just, uh, you know, that, that's the way he was, you know, he was fantastic. Fantastic yeah. man and manager. How did he compare with other managers that you played for? Well, he was different in, in terms of, you know, uh, normally you'd see, generally you'd see your manager on the pitch or whatever. But he just, I remember uh, uh, in, in small-sided games that we played and things like that, he'd be on to the midfielders to turn, turn, turn. And and meetings that we had, you know, he, everybody knew their job and knew what was expected of them. He was simplistic in many ways, but had massive values. And interestingly enough, when uh, when I went into coaching and uh, I went to coach kids for the first time uh, at Leeds, I was academy manager and I didn't know where to start. I hadn't coached youngsters anymore, but I started. So what I did was I took the Nottingham Forest values and nicked them all. You know, like, uh, don't feign injury, don't swear at referees, uh, don't pull shirts, you know, get up, you know, say yes, please, no, thank you, because, you know, we got all that. So I took that 
into Leeds and I started, uh, that's how we were going to look going forward. So we're not just going to produce top footballers, which it, ultimately we did do, but we're going to produce decent people, humble, you know, who uh, who behave properly yeah. generally yeah yeah and, and talking about those young players uh, that the, that you brought on um you know you, the likes of michael dawson at forest and david prutton and jermaine jenis how does it feel now when you see the likes of uh, prutton and jenis uh, taking on these tv presentation roles you must feel quite proud really how they've developed i'm, I'm very proud you know andy reed is coaching at nottingham forest um i'm very proud of them you know not only uh, for what they're doing now, but you know the way they conducted themselves in their football lives, you know, and, and what they attained, you know, you know they played for the national teams at uh, different age levels and full internationals, and um, uh, and now I see, you know, Michael, I see Michael on the television, uh, David and and Sir and Jermaine, you know, doing absolutely phenomenally well and in a very professional way. Exactly. You know, and Michael, Michael. Uh, I don't know whether he, he's edging that way or <laughs> or he, he going to coaching, but I know he's through his enthusiasm and uh, his knowledge, he's going to be a success at either. Uh, and Andy Reid, who uh, remains for me the player with the strongest mentality that, that uh, really I ever worked with, um, uh, has gone on now to uh, to work with the under twenty threes at Nottingham Forest. I'm very very keen to see how he does and, and I, I think he's going to do brilliantly yeah and all that has rubbed off from from you really and hopefully that legacy will will continue um you later played for Birmingham but I think Brian still thought about you because when you were injured he tried to give you a boost didn't he he certainly did I was um I went to Sheffield Wednesday after Forest and then went to Birmingham and I broke my leg in the very first game after about 38 minutes. And it was a double compound. It was, you know, a bit gory. And uh, so I was laid up in hospital. And I think uh, Forrest had been playing at Aston Villa or something like that. And uh, he brought the bus round and sent sent some of the lads up uh, to see me in, in, in my hospital bed, which was uh, pretty amazing, really, you know. But it was, it was typical of the things he did. You know, he was a... My, my wife and kids absolutely adored him. You know, we've got, we still got a picture hung of when I first signed. You know, they loved him. And uh, and we got to know, my wife got to know his family uh, very well. And, of course, the boys were, were brilliant. So, yeah, he's yeah. a, a great man. Yeah, I think that photo that you're referring to, you're on the city ground pitch and um, I think you, your wife's holding your daughter and Cluffy is holding up Jamie, your son. And it, it really just right. epitomises that sort of family value and, and yeah. that was so important to, to Brian. Yes, it was. And uh, he, he loved kids. And uh, uh, like you say, he was a, a huge family man and uh, encouraged us to take our wives when we played in Europe. And, uh, and the togetherness, I mean, our dressing room was fantastic. You know, Burgles, Anderson... Bowyer, the young lads Walsh and Hodge, and it was uh, it was a fantastic place to be. I you know I I, th- I can't say I can't tell you how much I really enjoyed just playing for two years at Nottingham Forest. 
Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that you'd um, played for, for Sheffield Wednesday and um, on an earlier Green Jumper podcast, my guest was uh, the former striker Gary Thompson, who recall, yes. recalls playing against you. Um, he was playing for West Brom, uh, you at Forest, and uh, how, how much a, a tough opponent you were. On one occasion, though, he did score a hat trick, and Cluffy presented him with the match ball afterwards in the in the dressing room. But he also said how how great friends you, uh, Gary, and, and yourself became off the field at, at Sheffield Wednesday. And the, if you don't mind, there's a little clip here from that podcast that I'd like to play you because I think you'll like it. I played. Uh, I think Chris Fairclough and Paul Hart were the two centre halves that day, and. Um, Chris was always a very, very good footballer, uh, very quiet, just going with his game, just did his thing. Harty, on the other hand, was quite possibly, when he played at Leeds, then he was at Forest, I wouldn't say nemesis, but every time I was like, oh, poor Harty. Because if, if you met Harty, he's the loveliest man in the world, but he gave me so much abuse during the game, so much stick. He wind me up, he'd try and get me at it. So fast forward a year later, I moved to Sheffield Wednesday. I walk in, introduced to all the lads and that. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realise Harty had gone there. And I was like, oh, dear God. And so, like, the first couple of days, feel our way around each other a little bit. Then we all, Lee Chapman, Mickey Lyons, they, they say, new players, we've all got to go for a drink. So you're sitting there having a drink and that. So I'm with Harty. So I'm like, what was all that about? And Harty went, you're hot. You're, you're always uh, aggressive. You're always bubbling over. So he started to say things and wind you up, hope, you know, hoping to get me sent off or whatever. And I was like, oh, right. And to be fair, Paul Hart, I had a great relationship with Gary Shelton, Gary Megson, Lee Chapman, Paul Hart, Mark Chamberlain. We all went round together all the time. Fantastic crew. Hart is brilliant, man. Uh, his kids used to come with us. We'd all go out for something to eat with his missus and kids. We'd all spend time together. Harty was a top, top bloke. I, I love him to death. There we go. Did that take you back? Yes, it did. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't think any player is, can be totally... Uh, unashamed of things he's done in, in his life but uh Gary and I became great friends uh and um when I crossed the white line I was a different person yes and um I just felt I had to be something I am I think I am a nice bloke yes and um the way I grew up I was I'm not uh, I don't I try not to be offensive or, or upset anybody but uh you know I did value my uh, getting picked every week. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and it was it was tough. But I remember that game that, uh, uh, and it seemed like, uh, I felt really sorry for Gary that day because Chris and I played at centre-back and we were, it was almost like taking it in turns to give him a belt. And <laughs> he he went off at one point and then came back on with his lip, his lip was up here oh. and his nose was bleeding and all that. And I said, oh. I said, if I were you, I'd stay off because we haven't finished with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but what a lovely but, lad. I, I absolutely, you know, what he, what he said, you know, we were, we were best pals and uh, great fun, great fun. Yeah, yeah. I think he gave as good as he got as well because he, he was sent oh, off uh, once or twice. He was yeah. a cracking player. You know? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And the way we played at Sheffield Wednesday, you know, it, it, we stuck a lot of balls in behind. He was, yeah, he was a, he terrorised defences. After that game where Gary Thompson scored a hat trick, would Cluffy have give, given you a, a telling off then 
uh, he got all the players to sign the ball for for Gary, um, or would he have just said, right, we'll move on next game? Do you know, I, I, uh, I've got to be honest, I can't mm. remember that game. No, it's, it's funny how games like that. Yes, yeah, you want you want, to, you want to forget them. But, yeah. <laughs> what what he what he may have done, uh, you know, which which happened to us times. You know, if we had we we didn't get beat very often, but if we had, he might say, I don't want to see you a lot until Wednesday. So from a Saturday to Wednesday, and and of course, to a man, we wouldn't just sit sit around and all that. You'd be doing your own training and all that, but you you weren't allowed in or anywhere near the ground until until the day he said. And of course, by that time, you're bouncing off the wall. You know, you want to, you can't wait to get hold of the football. And yeah. uh, he, he had, because he was his own man and he virtually ran Nottingham Forest from top to bottom. He was, he was, you know, everything. He had belief that the psychology of it would work. And yeah. it, and invariably did. And I'm sure you took some of that with you into your management career. We'll talk about that in, in just a moment and how Brian helped you into, into management in later years. But first, a competition to win a copy of The the Day I Met Brian Clough, which includes some great memories from Paul. To win a copy of my Amazon Top 20 best-selling book that I'll personally sign for you, just name the club that Brian travelled to in order to meet Harty and sign him for Forrest. All the details and the entry form are on the podcast page of the tribute website brianclough.com, including the terms and conditions. The prize, again, a copy of my book, The Day I Met Brian Clough. And the question again, which club did Cloughy sign Harty from, even travelling to the ground to meet him in the manager's office? Back to my guest today, Paul Hart. Now, Brian was instrumental in helping your management career. How vital was that uh, helping hand at the time? I sort of embarked on this coaching thing uh, after I broke my leg. And uh, I got an offer to go to Knox County as player coach. So, And then I went to Chesterfield. and We got to Wembley and all that. But I was, I was only 34, 35. I was a bit naive. I got the sack at Chesterfield. And I used to go and, and see the boss uh, with John Robertson, uh, pop in and have a coffee and all that. And I said to him, I made, you know, I saw him count the Can you, Gaffer, can you put me in for this job and all that? And one night, about 10.30 on a Sunday night, I got a phone call. I was in bed. I got a phone call. He said, uh, centre-half. He never called me Paul or Harty. It was, it was centre-half. I'm making all these phone calls. He said, and if you're as good as I'm telling people you are, I think you better come and work with me because I was going nowhere. So what he did, I think he gave me about, you know, like 100 quid a week. And I opened a sandwich shop in Nottingham uh, at the time. And then, so I was going in there about five o'clock and then going to the ground. He took me on first team games. I took the reserves now and again. I just went across everywhere and, and tried to keep my nose clean and, and and help you know and and ultimately that got me a position at Leeds United uh, as academy manager you know a year later and he was at all times you know he was there and when I came back to Nottingham Forest as academy manager and then ultimately as manager which was uh, amazing he used to come to the games and 
sit in the office and, you know, just talk to me and ask me questions about what you, what I was doing, how I was doing it. He never judged, but he was there, you know. And um, to have somebody like him, knowing that he's in your corner, whatever, if you wanted something, you know, I, I felt I was a pretty lucky fella. Yeah, well... During his retirement, there was a magazine article in 442, which he used to write for, and I've got it, so I had a look. It's January yeah. 2002, and Cluffy's full of praise for the way you were, were managing Forrest. He said you were putting your faith in the, in the right sort of footballing principles, and you were playing football the old Forrest way, which he was pleased to see. How proud were you, and are you now, when you look back and think of those types of comments from someone like Brian Clough? Well, well that, that's exactly, I, I, you know, obviously I didn't uh, uh, search for uh, plaudits, but that's exactly what uh, we tried to do as a staff. We tried to implement things as uh, my staff, as academy, when I was academy manager. So those kids we talked about, were being brought up with those principles and the disciplines of life and all that sort of stuff. And then, of course, I put them all in in the first team at Nottingham Forest. But Nottingham Forest, from 75, I think that's when he went when he went to Nottingham Forest, had a, had a way of playing, you know. And I understood Nottingham Forest supporters enjoyed watching the way that Brian Clough's teams played. I'm sure they enjoyed winning even more because you know, but but they uh, they enjoyed the way and the principles laid down by him, and as I said, you know, my my values and beliefs go back to Nottingham Forest when I was at Leeds, and then I revisited them. And don't get me wrong, I was not anywhere in the same street as as the manager <laughs> by a million trillion miles, but. I used his influences to to help develop, and it's a, it was a, it was a shame that it didn't continue because we had a mm. we you know young players coming on uh, and uh, you know yeah we were in the end under underfunded so yes, so yes. that was that was a. That was another story. Yeah, it is. But I think the fans certainly at the time fully appreciated what, what you were doing and, and the influences you, you were putting on the pitch there it, that reminded them of those those great cluffy sides. And, and obviously the fans were singing, we love you hearty, we do, and, yeah. and all that sort of thing. So, the, the, you know, the, the fans really appreciated it. Um, it. It wasn't long after you left Forrest as, as, as manager, though, of course, that... Um, Brian sadly passed away in, in 2004. How did you react when you heard the news? Because it, it, it came as quite a shock to, to a lot of us, although, you know, we knew he hadn't been that well. Well, I, I received the news from uh, a Sky reporter and he wanted me to do something then and I couldn't. No. You know, I just... I, um, I just... Uh, no, I, I I couldn't do it. He, you know, he was very nice and very uh, uh, respectful and, and everything, mm. but I just couldn't, I, you know, I was shocked. It was a, a very fitting memorial service, though, uh, at, at Pride yeah. Park. Did, did you yes. manage to get to that? Yeah. Yes, I was there. 
Yeah, yeah, my wife and I were there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and some marvelous, marvelous tributes, which uh, and bringing yeah. bringing both Forest and Derby fans together. Not many yeah. people can do that, and uh, no, he, he did I it. Mean, two, I, it just won't happen again. The the success that those two clubs, provincial clubs, you can't. You you hope it will, but you can't. It's amazing, even in those days, to outstrip. The likes of Liverpool, Man United, Manchester, you know, Spurs, Arsenal, yep. big clubs. It was two amazing achievements. Yeah, definitely. And looking back, Paul, uh, what would your abiding memory of Brian be, either behind the scenes or on the pitch? How would you uh, always remember him? <laughs> well, I've got so many memories, you know, so yeah. many things that happened, but this might. I don't know whether it will or not. You know, we, uh, this might explain uh, some of the values he had. Yeah. We were playing at Ipswich and we scored after about two minutes. And from there on, uh, Ipswich absolutely battered us. And so it was coming up to half time. And if you remember, on the stand uh, furthest away from the dressing rooms, there's a clock. And so yeah. I kept looking at this clock thinking, oh, Gordon Bennett, I wish... You know, this, so you could pass back to the goalkeeper then. Yes. So I kept nipping back out and they're just wasting time. And I could see these arms waving from the dugout. Get the ball, get the ball up here, get the ball. And I'm going, oh my goodness. So I, I took an age to walk off the pitch. I thought I'm going to get pelters here. Uh, and so I got in and the, a year or so before when I was at Leeds, we'd been relegated. And he, so he said to me, he got me in the dressing room in front of the lads and he says, You've taken Leeds down. You're not taking me down. <laughs> play the ball. Don't come those tricks here. We play the ball. So what you're saying was mm. time wasting just by doing that. Yeah. You know, yes, time wasting the opposition's half. But don't time waste, basically. You know, his his values about feigning injury, mm. swearing at referees, um, pulling shirts, you know, sort of almost cheating yes you know um exploits yeah don't do it you know be honest and get you know get about your job properly and play football you know whatever that is you know head it whatever do it properly do the basics right so that was a lesson i would never uh do that again you know i was 30 when i came to nottingham forest you know so i wasn't a kid but those things i think epitomize you know, he's a very, very clever man, but he had basic values that he uh, imposed on his dressing rooms and players. Yeah, definitely. And and what do you think he would have made of the game today with with a lot of feigning and diving and and, and VAR as well, of course, in in the Premier League. Well, as I just said, he's a very, very intelligent man. So I often think about how he how he would work, and I believe he would have changed. He would have been a chameleon. So he would have fitted in, but his extremities would still be there and his his views and opinions would still be uh, relevant. And so, and his teams, whether we had foreigners in it or, or, or what, wouldn't be diving around. Uh, I can guarantee that. Yeah. Well, 
Paul Hart, thanks ever so much for continuing Cluffy's great footballing philosophies. And thanks so much for, for sharing your memories today. It's been great chatting to you. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you. And thanks very much to you for listening. I'll look forward to speaking to you again soon. Don't forget about the competition. And it's great to see there are downloads for the series all over the world, showing the true global admiration for the great man in the green jumper.